Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, would you take them turn to Matthew chapter 26. Tonight we're going to look at a passage there from Matthew chapter 26, which I believe has something very important to teach us about prayer. And so uh, after I minister for a few moments tonight, we're going to have um, some time of prayer at the altar, praying for other needs that exist. And so maybe you have a need that you'd like for us to pray about tonight. We're going to pray at the end of this service because tonight is, well, traditionally Wednesday night's prayer meeting night, all right? And so we're going to pray this evening. I remember a story that an evangelist told um, in our church when I was a young man, and uh, he's kind of a humorous evangelist, so he told a lot of stories about his ministry and made a lot of people laugh. But I remember he said that once he was at a church holding a revival, and uh, I may have told this story here before, um, but anyway, he was at a, at a church holding a revival, and uh, he said that, you know, he was, they'd come down to the front after the service, after his preaching, he was praying for people around the altar, and uh, so they were lined across the front of the altar, and he was praying for them. He would go to them one by one. He would lay hands on them. He would, he would go and stand in front of the person. He would anoint them with oil. Then he'd close his eyes, and he'd lay his hands on them, and he'd pray, and then after he prayed for that one, he would step to the next one and he would anoint them with oil, close his eyes and lay hands on them and pray. And then he'd step to the next one and he'd anoint them with oil and close his eyes and lay hands on them and pray. And so he was going down the line doing that, uh, sort of like an assembly line, you know, it was just boom, one by one. He was going down, same thing, anoint them with oil, close his eyes, lay hands on them, pray. And uh, so he was going down the line doing that and things were going just fine until he came to a big burly man that was standing down there at the front and uh so he came to this man and just like before um he stood in front of the man and he took the oil and anointed the man with oil he closed his eyes and laid his hand on him and got ready to pray and as soon as he laid hands on him pow the guy hit him right between the eyes with his fist and knocked him on the floor and uh apparently the guy didn't like uh, the preacher laying hands uh, on him. Uh, but he knocked him right between the eyes, knocked him on the floor, and he said that he sat up and knocked his glasses off, and he picked up his glasses and put his glasses uh, back on. And he said, well, he said, I guess that's why the Bible says watch and pray. <laughs> watch and pray. Uh, well, uh, that is what Jesus says to his disciples in the passage that we're going to read uh, tonight. Watch and pray. Um, and it probably would have been good advice for that evangelist, right? If he had been watching and praying, he might would have been able to avoid that right cross or whatever it was that that man threw at him. Probably would have also been good advice to the um, young lady. I was thinking about this also today. Um, she was an adult. I was a teenager we were going on some trip, some youth trip when I was uh, young, and um, we all got in the church van, or a number of us got in the church van. She was the adult. She was driving. So we set off on this uh, trip, and um, we hadn't gotten too far down the road before she realized, she was driving, she realized, oh, we forgot to pray before we left. We got to pray over the trip. And so right there, right then, she started uh, to pray, and she closed her eyes, 
and while she was behind the wheel, while we were going down the road and started, started to pray, well, we quickly suggested to her that she watch and pray, that she open her eyes and pray, or that she let somebody else do the praying for us. Well, I think that um, we all understand that you don't have to have your eyes closed uh, to pray, that you can watch and pray. In fact, I think we all understand that sometimes it is more practical for us to watch and to pray, to keep our eyes open while we pray. But is that, is that really what Jesus meant when he said to his disciples, watch and, and pray? So we're going to look at the context uh, of the command that Jesus gives to his disciples here in Matthew chapter uh, 26. Look at Matthew chapter 26 and we're going to begin reading in uh, verse number, let me make sure I got this right. Verse number 36. Matthew 26, beginning in verse number 36. Then Jesus went with them, that's his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, that's to those three, my soul is very sorrowful even to death, remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it, is, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Verse 41, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42, and again for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now, uh, before I speak specifically about what it means to watch and, and pray, let me point out a couple of, of things about this passage and, and about prayer uh, first of all, you probably recognize the setting of this passage. It takes place on the night before Jesus is crucified. It takes place in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible says that Jesus went there with his disciples after he had shared with them what we call the Last Supper. So they had gathered together in the upper room. They had shared uh, the Last Supper together, and then they left the upper room, went across the valley into or onto the foot foot uh, hill of uh, um, the um, uh, Mount of Olives, and into a garden there on Gethsemane, and they began to pray. So it's this is the place, Garden of Gethsemane. You know this. Uh, this is the place where Jesus will be betrayed by Judas, and it's the place where he'll be arrested by the temple guards. And Jesus goes there with his disciples in order to pray. Uh, Gethsemane, uh, you know, is a defining moment in the drama that includes Jesus' death and his burial 
and his resurrection. In fact, some Bible teachers have said that Jesus died on Calvary, but he gave his life in Gethsemane. And they say that because it was in Gethsemane that Jesus expressed his complete surrender to the will of the Father. It was in Gethsemane where he wrestled with what was going to take place on uh, Calvary, on the cross. And so that's where he wrestled uh, and he gave his life. He laid his life down. He surrendered himself to the Father's will in Gethsemane. So how did he do that? He accomplished that surrender. He gave his life. He gave it through prayer. He, there in Gethsemane, he agonized in prayer as he wrestled with his knowledge of what was going to take place just a few hours later uh, from that. He knew that in a few hours, he who, remember, who had known no sin, he, was, he had lived a perfect life, he who knew no sin, he knew that he was going to actually become sin that he was going to bear the sins of the entire uh, world. Somebody has observed also that it wasn't the pain of crucifixion that Jesus was dreading. It was the pain of bearing the sins of the entire world and being separated from the Father for that moment. So he knew that he was going to bear the sins of the entire world, that he would become sin, that he would bear the wrath of God, and so he agonized in prayer as he gave himself completely to the will of the Father. In fact, Luke says that his suffering was so intense during this time of prayer in, in Gethsemane that, that during that time of prayer that his sweat became as great drops of blood. Now, doctors say that what that means is that probably he agonized. The, the agony was so intense the stress was so intense that the capillaries in his forehead and his head ruptured with the stress and the strain and mingled with the sweat that was pouring down off of his face. So it was, a, it was an agonizing time of prayer. The, the point I'm making is that this is, no, this is no trivial prayer that Jesus is praying. It's not like how we sometimes pray when we're praying over lunch or uh, you know, asking the blessing. It's not a trivial kind of prayer. This is travailing prayer in which Jesus is agonizing. Uh, and here's what I want to point out about that tonight. Jesus has invited his disciples into that experience with him. About verse 36 says, Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. So Jesus didn't leave his disciples during this critical period. Um, Jesus didn't tell that he didn't send them away from him. No, the Bible says he goes with them. And so they go together to this place of travailing prayer. Jesus, in fact, it becomes apparent, it becomes obvious in just a few verses that Jesus actually wants his disciples with him during that time of prayer, that he actually invites them and asks them to pray with him, to keep watch uh, with him. So he has led them to this place of prayer so that they might pray with him and enter into this time of prayer 
uh, together. So we, so we learn something about prayer uh, from that, and that is that we never pray alone. Aren't you thankful for that? That we never pray alone, uh, but that in fact prayer is an incredible privilege for us as believers, as the children of God, because it is through prayer that we actually enter into the presence of Jesus Christ and we participate in the life that he has for each and every one of us. Isn't that a wonderful privilege that Jesus invites us to come to him in prayer and to enter into his presence and to enter into the life that he has for us through prayer. See, here's the thing. Prayer is a relationship, right? Prayer is a relationship. Praying is a partnership. It's a partnership with Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus demonstrates here in, in this passage, in this experience in Gethsemane. Jesus goes into the garden with his disciples. He enters the garden with 11 of his disciples because we know that Judas is actually, he's already gone and uh, he has gone to betray Jesus Christ. So he enters into the garden with 11 disciples. He tells eight of those disciples, sit here. After they enter into the garden, he tells them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And so he takes with him three of his disciples, that three um, that had formed kind of the inner circle, if you will, Peter, James, and John. He takes those three with him, and as he prays, Jesus becomes sorrowful, he becomes troubled, and so then he says to those three, now you remain here and watch with me, and then Jesus goes a little bit farther, and the Bible says he falls on his face uh, to pray. And there's an important implication uh, about prayer in those verses, and that is that the further you go with Christ, the deeper you go in prayer. You see that? The further you go with Christ, the deeper you go with him in prayer. Or to say it in another way, which is, um, which is the equal but the opposite side of the same coin, the further that you go in prayer, the closer you get to Jesus Christ. You see that? The further you go in prayer, the closer you get to Jesus Christ. So a very important point for us as believers because intimacy with Christ is achieved how? It's achieved through prayer. Intimacy with Christ is only achieved through prayer. In fact, in fact, it's possible to see here a parallel, an important parallel between Christ and his servants and Elijah and his servant. You remember Elijah's servant, Elijah's disciple was Elisha. Do you remember the story in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2? The Bible says that Elijah was about to be taken up into heaven. His, time was almost, his ministry was almost finished. So he was about to go up into heaven just like Jesus. His ministry was almost finished. He was about to return uh, to the Father. And in 2 Kings chapter 2, it says that um, Elijah and Elisha are in Gilgal. And um, he tells Elisha, Elijah tells his disciple Elisha that he's got to go to, um, where is it, Bethel. He says, I've got to go to Bethel 
Lord's told me to go to Bethel. You stay here in Gilgal. You remain here. I'm going on to Bethel. And what does Elisha say? Not so, my Lord. He said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, Elisha says, I will not leave you. And so they went together to Bethel. Then when they get to Bethel, what the scene is repeated, remember? Elijah says, okay, uh, you stay here in Bethel and now I've got to go. Where's the next uh, stop? Jer uh, Jericho, wasn't it? He said, now I've got to go to Jericho. He says, you stay here in Bethel, I'm going on to Jericho. And Elisha says, what? Not so, my Lord. As you live, uh, or as, as the Lord lives, as you live, I'm not going to leave you, and so I'm going to go with you to Jericho. So they arrive in Jericho, and then the scene's repeated again. Elijah says to Elisha, okay, the Lord's calling me to the Jordan. You stay here in Jericho, I'm going to the Jordan. And Elisha says, what? A third time, he says, not so, <laughs> As the Lord lives, as you live, I'm not leaving your side. I'm going with you. And so he goes with him to the Jordan. On the way to the Jordan, Elisha, uh, Elijah says, do you want to ask me for anything? Elisha says, what? He says, I want a double portion of your anointing. And so Elijah says, if you see me when, I'm, when I leave, then you'll have what you ask for. And in fact, he does because it's not long, uh, long afterwards that he is, he is there, he's with Elijah when the Lord sends a chariot of fire that separates them and then Elijah is caught up in a whirlwind into heaven and because Elisha was with him when he went up to heaven, he received Elijah's mantle. You remember his cloak fell down, he received Elijah's mantle and he received a double portion of the spirit that was on um, Elijah. So since he was with Elijah when he was taken up by heaven, Elisha receives that double portion of Elijah's uh, anointing. Jesus' disciples, on the other hand, um, what do they do? They remain at a distance. Jesus says, you stay here. I'm going a little further on. What do they do? They stay. They remain. So they remained at a distance when Jesus separated himself from them, which is, which is actually ironic, isn't it, considering what they had said previously to Jesus. If you back up and you look in Matthew 26, verse 35, Jesus had predicted that Peter was going to deny him, and Peter said what in verse 35? Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you and all of the disciples said the same so they said what we're not going to leave you we're not going to deny you we'll, we're going to stick by your side no matter what um, but when Jesus separates him, himself from them they do what they remain at a distance so what I'm saying that uh, tonight is all of this illustrates the larger point that Jesus eventually makes to his disciples in this passage and that is that prayer is a great privilege that it's through prayer it's by pressing in and spending time in the presence of Jesus Christ that we receive his blessing and his anointing it's through prayer that we gain greater intimacy with Jesus Christ it's through prayer that we enter into the presence of Jesus Christ and we draw close to him but there's a problem there's a great privilege in prayer, but there's a great problem about prayer, and that is we are easily 
distracted, aren't we? We're easily distracted. Unlike Elisha, who pushed in, he persevered, he remained perpetually by his master's side, we are, we're sometimes like the disciples, aren't we? We're content to just remain at a distance, to be comfortable right where we're at, to get, to get cozy where we're at. We get drowsy and, and we fall asleep and we don't press in and into the presence of Jesus Christ. So Jesus diagnosed this problem uh, about prayer, and he says the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many can say amen to that tonight? I can say amen. <laughs> the spirit is willing, but it's the flesh that is weak. And we, because here's the thing, we all understand how important prayer is. Amen? We all understand how important prayer is. We understand that prayer is a privilege, that God invites us to come into his presence through Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is. And in our hearts, we want to pray, don't we? In our hearts, we want to get closer to Jesus Christ. Our spirits, in fact, they long to be intimate with Jesus Christ because we know that it's the more that we pray, the further that we go in prayer, the closer we get to Jesus Christ. The closer we get to Jesus Christ, the more of his power and the more of his anointing we receive in, in our life. So our spirit is willing, our spirits long to be intimate with Jesus Christ because we want that faith, we need that faith, we long for that anointing in our life. But the problem is we're weak in our our flesh is weak. And so like Paul in Romans chapter 7, the, the thing that we want to do, we want to pray, press in, know him. The thing that we want to do is the thing that we, that we do not do. <laughs> and the thing that we don't want to do, we don't want to fall asleep. We don't want to become distracted and we don't want to be lazy in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The thing that we don't want to do, that's the thing that we end up doing and why is that? It's because we have, we have this old nature that is still battling against our spirit. We have this flesh that we're, we're constantly trying to keep crucified, crucify our flesh. And prevailing prayer is the means, and we know this, is, is the means to spiritual power but our, but our flesh is the great enemy of prevailing prayer, pressing in to the presence of Jesus Christ. So what is the solution? Well, Jesus gives it to us. We've already said it several times. The solution to the weakness that we have in our flesh is that we need, we need to watch and pray. Jesus says, watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So watch and pray. Of course, that means more than just praying with your eyes open, although that, that can be helpful sometimes, right? <laughs> Especially if, 
you're praying at night, you're getting ready to go to bed. You lay, how many knows if you lay on your bed, you get all comfortable and you pull the covers up around you and you close your eyes and say, okay, now I'm going to pray. How many knows you close your eyes, that's probably not very conducive to prayer, right? You're going to be, at least it's not for me, you're going to fall asleep real quick. So sometimes, yeah, practically it's, it's good to keep your eyes open and, and to pray. But, but it's, that's not, it's not exactly what it means, uh, what it means to watch and pray, it means to stay awake and pray. It means to pray with urgency, with conviction, with fervor. To pray with fervor. To watch and pray means to pray with watchful attention. It is, it is an approach to prayer that is alert without being anxious it's an approach to prayer that is fervent without being fearful. It is, it is praying while you are awake and aware of what's going on. Let me give you an illustration. I was, um, and I may have told this story before too, I was, Irene and I dated for about seven years, I think it was, before we even got married. And um, we started dating when she was, I think she was 15 years old, and so her parents wouldn't let her date, actually, and they would only let me. What they would do is they, we, we, I played basketball. She was a cheerleader, and so after basketball games, they would let me take her home, and that way they didn't have to come pick her up. They'd let me take her home. So I'd take her home, and then I'd stay over there for a few hours, and then I'd come back to my house, and so sometimes, um, you know, it would be late at night. It would be 10, 11 o'clock at night, and I'd be on my way home, and I would get drowsy, and I started getting sleepy driving all the way because she lived on the one side of the river. I lived all the way on the other side of Newburn, and so I'd drive home. And, on, and so I would get drowsy, and I'd roll the window down, and I'd try to stay awake. One time in particular, I was going down Highway 70 and heading home, and I was nodding off, and I was trying to stay awake. And next thing I knew, I woke up, and my car was in the median. All I could see was grass in front of me. And I thought, I didn't know what to do. I thought, well, if I turn the, the wheel one way, I might go into the ditch. If I go the other way, I, might, so, I didn't, so I just cut the wheel one way. And I, fortunately, the Lord was looking after me. And I popped back onto the road, and I was on my way you know, back home. For the rest of the ride home, how many knows? I was wide awake <laughs> for the rest of the ride home. I was like, okay, dear Lord, thank you for saving my life. Thank you for preserving me. That's what it means to watch and pray, right? Uh, we, sometimes we pray with a kind of attitude like, oh, Lord, you know, we're just, Lord, just please help me. I, Lord, I want to get close to you. Watch, watching and praying means to pray with an urgency in your heart, an awareness of, of, of what you're saying and how you are praying. So it means to be, it means to pray by being alert, not anxious, but you're alert, you're fervent, you're not fearful. So watching and praying means to, to pray with that kind of urgency in your heart. Let me give you several, several things, um, what it means to watch and pray and how we can watch and pray. Number one, to watch and pray means that we should be alert to the many dangers that are around us. Again, alert, not anxious, but alert. Jesus 
when he was praying in Gethsemane, Jesus knew that his betrayer, in fact, he says in this passage, after the, the disciples fall asleep, he wakes them up a couple of times, and finally he says, okay, it's enough. My betrayer is at hand. See, the disciples may not have been aware, may not have been thinking about the fact that in just a few moments, a few hours, soldiers were going to show up. And they were surrounded by soldiers. There was danger on every side. They may, they may not have even been aware. How, how many knows that every day we're surrounded by enemies? The Bible says that the, the devil is a roar, goes around like a seeking lion, a, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. How many knows each and every one of us every day face a real devil whose intent is to steal and to kill and destroy? So we're constantly, every day, we're surrounded by enemies. I believe watching and praying means praying while being alert to the enemy that is around us and that he puts things in our way to try to trip us up. I got kind of a running gag with my kids. We were going down the road one day and uh, I saw a, a sign that, that they had posted somewhere um, uh, it was a warning sign for something in particular. I said, you know what? I said, I've got a great idea that would save the state of North Carolina a lot of money. I said that rather than just printing all of these different signs for all of these different hazards and different things, you know, um, bridge out. or I said, they just need to print one sign, mass produce it, and it just needs to say, watch out. <laughs> so when you're going down the road, it just needs to say, if it's a bridge out, all it needs to say is just watch out. Watch out. So they could mass produce these signs and save a lot of money. How many knows praying, uh, watching and praying means watching out for the dangers that are constantly around us. Again, being alert to the dangers. Not anxious, but alert because there's a real enemy and he's out there to steal and to kill and to destroy. So, Watching and praying means watching out for the dangers that are around us. Praying while being alert to the many things that are around us. Number two, watching and praying means to be aware of our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities. Watching and praying means praying, understanding, God, I know that I'm weak. I know that I'm vulnerable to the enemy. You know when... Uh, when I usually get sideways, it's when I start thinking more highly of myself than I ought to. When I start thinking, okay, well, I've got things going pretty well. i got things figured out. The Bible says, let he who stands take heed lest he, what, fall, right? Watching and praying means not only watching out for the alert, the dangers that are around us, but it also means watching ourselves, being aware of our own weaknesses and our vulnerabilities. It means going to, to God with a kind of dependency that says, God, I know that I'm weak. I know that my flesh is the problem. So, Lord, help me to crucify my flesh. Fill me with your spirit because I need your help. Watching and praying means praying with a dependency upon God because you're aware of how vulnerable and how weak you are. Number three, watching and praying means praying with an appreciation for our Savior, for Jesus Christ. I believe that one of the things that Jesus meant when he told his disciples, watch and pray, it's not the only thing, but I think that 
One of the things that he could have meant was he was telling them, now listen, you stand here, you pray with me, I'm going to go over there, now you watch me and pray. And it was, Jesus is the perfect example for us of prayer. What could the disciples have learned if they had been watching Jesus Christ pray while he was praying? Well, they would have seen him fall on his face before God. They would have heard him crying out with a loud voice, the Bible says, to uh, the Heavenly Father. They would have heard his repeated petitions because he repeats the same petitions many times to the Lord. They would have, they would have learned a lot about praying if they had been watching Jesus Christ pray. Amen. So we can learn from the example of Jesus Christ, watching and praying means watching out for the dangers around us, watching ourselves, our own weaknesses and our own vulnerabilities. It means watching our Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping our eyes uh, on, on Jesus. And then fourth and finally, watching and praying means that we anticipate our salvation. That means that we are watching out for the return of Jesus Christ. That we are expecting, we are eager for the return of Jesus Christ. You remember the parable that Jesus told of the ten virgins, five that had uh, an extra supply of oil. It says that while they were waiting for the bridegroom to come, that they did all, what? They all fell asleep and they weren't ready when the bridegroom came. I believe that watching and praying means that we, as we're praying, we are watching for, we're anticipating, we're expecting the return of Jesus Christ. He could come at any moment, amen? He could come tonight. I'd be okay with that, wouldn't you? He could come at any moment. And watching and praying means praying with an anticipation in our heart that says, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So watching and praying means praying with an awareness, with an urgency in our heart, a fervency that we are watching out for the dangers that are around us and that that motivates us to call on God because we're, we have a real enemy that is seeking to destroy us. It means watching ourselves because we're aware that we're weak, we're vulnerable. God, we need your help because our flesh is weak. It means watching, keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ, and it means watching for his return, anticipating the time when Jesus Christ comes. But I want to end with this. Prayer is an important work. Can you say amen? Prayer is an important work for us. But remember, we have to remember this. We are not saved by our works. Bible says we're not saved by our works because Jesus has already done the work for us. Amen? Jesus has already completed that work. And so when the disciples were asleep, guess who was still praying? Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? When the disciples were sleeping, Jesus wasn't asleep. He, he was still praying, which means that even when we inevitably, when we fail, and how many knows we will fail? We, we will fall asleep at the wheel. We'll, we'll make mistakes. So even when we fail, because we are weak, 
Our flesh is weak. Even when we fail, Jesus remains faithful. Aren't you glad? And that, that he continues to pray for us. What a wonderful thing that is. Just like he told Peter. He told Peter that he was going to deny him. Prior to that, you might remember this. Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, Satan has desired to have you to sift you like wheat. But Jesus said, but I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. Aren't you glad? Prayer is an important work. It's, it's how we obtain intimacy with Jesus Christ. The more we pray, the closer we get to Jesus Christ. But listen, I'm so glad that Jesus Christ is not my prayers that save me. It's his prayers for me that saves me. And so that even when I fail, even when I'm unfaithful, and I sometimes am because my flesh is weak, but I'm glad that he doesn't give up on me, that he's still praying, that he's still faithful. Amen? What a great God he is. And, and he's praying for us tonight. He's praying for you tonight. The Bible says that he ever lives now to make intercession for us. That he's our great, our heavenly high priest. That he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So he knows where you're at tonight. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what your weaknesses are. He knows what challenges you face. And he's praying for you tonight. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.